Hello, and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Morley Kurt, and joining me as always is the majestic Adam Mackey. Hello. And the glorious Grant Alexander. Hello. Have I used that one before? I feel like glo- yeah. there's a lot of G adjectives. Oh, dang. I thought I had thought what, of another I, one. Why didn't you start with something that starts with A? Because you started with something no, no. M. Or you confused me because I was like, "Who the hell starts with M?" <laughs> I I, th- I always do M for you because Maker Mackey. There's a lot of M's in Grant Alexander. It's just the G's up front, so that's what I think of. Because he's the OG. Yeah, he's the Word. OG. Word to your mother. <laughs> uh, Grant, what have you uh, what have you been up to this week? Not much, really. It's uh, one. It hasn't been a long time since we last recorded because we don't record on a regular schedule like normal podcast people. We're uh, <laughs> we're all up in the shift work and working it out based on when other people are available. Uh, so it's been like three or four days. It feels like, um, and basically, I made a picture frame. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's for, walnut. So. For what? Uh, it will be housing a. Uh, a car picture that was taken by Rod uh, Windover. Um, so the same guy that uh, you made the uh, Sheltie um, thingy. Um, what is it? Sheltie patch, leather patch. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I've made a bunch of frames for in the past. So this one's actually a different frame, and I probably should have made it into a video, but I also just wanted to get it done. I don't. I think I've only ever like other than at the time making frames for him. He kind of wants a different thing every time, which is why keeps it interesting oh cool yeah Hmm. very nice well uh adam in the four days since we've recorded have you gotten (laughs) up to anything interesting yeah i um so i've been editing my cabinet video pretty excited about that i got the green screen set up that i'm gonna (laughs) um be doing some stuff with hopefully it works out because if it is it's gonna be my new thing okay so we'll see how that goes I, in the last two days, have got three commissions. So I've got, someone wants me to make drawers in the back of a Land Cruiser. I don't think I'm going to do a video on it because like it's just repetitive of the van. It's not the same, but it's very similar. I I might though, because it has some techniques that are are different. You should totally do it because Land Cruiser isn't van. Yeah. And Land Cruisers are big deal. Like there's videos that have, I love old land cruisers. If there's videos that pop on my feed with making drawers for a land cruiser that have lots and lots Mm. of views. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, so there is that and there's, um, the draw slides for it are a bit different too. It's got like a button that sticks out the front of the drawer that you have to like squeeze to open it. Oh, interesting. It's weird. Um, so there's that, and then I got a commission to do another van, but it's a little bit different because it's pretty much the same except for how the one that I made with like the um, the lounge part, how it's like slides out. You've got like the seat, the seat, and then the slide. The slide's going to have the front foot attached to it. Pretty much right. that's the only difference, though. Yeah, um, that. And then my neighbor came over yesterday while I was pulling pallets apart at the front. She brought over something and asked me if I could quickly make something up for her for Christmas for her mum, which is going to be a secret project that I'm going to talk about in the after show. But Grant's going to be really happy because it's going to be bringing something back that he misses, and that is a one-hour build. Ooh, those are exciting. One-hour builds are my favorite. Yeah. Pretty, uh, Pretty simple project, but I think it's one of those, like, DIY things that people are really going to enjoy. So very empowering. Excited about that. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What about you, Molly? Um, so I just put out a video on making a leather pencil case, which was a pretty quick project from like idea to make the thing to video. Um, I have a long-term goal of making a leather backpack. So this this idea kind of came into my head and I was, I don't actually know how I thought of it, but I was thinking like, this is a perfect skill building project in working towards the leather backpack. It has some interior stitching. So basically like it's stitched inside out and then turned right, right side in, correct side in. <laughs> I remember um, doing that. I remember making teddy bears like that in school. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the classic sort of like sewing yeah. technique. It's how, how like most things are mm. sewed. Um, yeah. 
So it had some of that. It had some zipper work. Um, I'm very thankful for to Eden for letting me fix the zipper on her nice leather purse because mm-hmm. that taught me a lot. And on this one, I was able to kind of like get some lessons learned in um, and not make it too tight like I did on, on her purse. Um, Have you listened to the Garage Avenger, JJ leathersmith or whatever his name is you should listen to it now you should he literally like just decided he was going to get into leather working while traveling backpacking around the world and like i think it would be inspiring to you um he's canadian too by the way but he lives in like ecuador or something um and i really think like i could like when he was speaking i could hear like things that i thought you would really enjoy so you should definitely That's check cool. that out. And it's a podcast, so it's... Yeah, yeah, it's I'll audio. definitely listen. I just I just keep forgetting to. I and he, he started his whole thing because he made this leather backpack to continue backpacking, which he, th- he said, like, he spent his last dollars building this backpack, which was, like, the ridiculous thing to do. Wow. Um, it was just an inspiring story that he's built a real business out of this because yeah. he, like, followed his gut. But that's... Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, I know a leather worker here in Toronto who um, I met up with like way pre-COVID. This was like, I think December of last year. And he's a, he kind of like walked away from a successful tech job and started his own leather, uh, handmade leather goods business. And the impetus for him getting into it was camping. Like he wanted to be able to repair all of his like backpack and stuff. Um, And Mm -hmm. his actual business, I think, started as a blog about camping, which then turned into his leatherworking business. Um, So it's interesting. I think I feel like a lot of people who get into leatherwork find their way into it from these all sorts of like bushcrafty, outdoorsy. Right. This guy, this guy took like a camping trip, a backcountry camping trip. He actually like hitchhiked across Canada, and then took like a backcountry camping trip to kind of find himself solo. Um, And then like just like he was a bicycle mechanic. So that's like another thing that you're into, bicycles. Uh, yeah, I, I think you'd like it. I'm not going to say any more. I think you, right, you got to listen to it by next uh, next time we talk. All right, deal. I will. All right. Um, yes. So this leather pencil case video, um, it was really nice to make because I feel like my last three videos have all been like exciting and a little higher energy with voiceover and stuff. So like in the production for this, I was, I had the mission of making this a very, very relaxing video um, with like beautiful music um, stripped down and letting the shots linger a little more. So it felt like a nice reset after doing some more sort of out there projects, which I felt like I kind of needed. I don't know if you guys feel like you like need to cycle back from projects when you go one way, you need to come back the other a little bit. So that was... Hmm. That was needed. I do. I do more for for content than personal. Like more as I don't want to just keep going down the same path, and people expect videos of me building cabinets and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the path of Halo first aid kit, uh, Pulp Fiction wallet, and three D <laughs> printed concrete planters would be, but <laughs> I just want to do something a little more basic. It was nice to kind of get that in. Hmm. Um, and then I'm also, like I mentioned last week, I have some, um, holiday commissions in the work. I actually just finished up, um, a cover for a bullet journal. So it's a, it's a really thick hardcover journal. So it's like this really like hefty cover that is, uh, was very satisfying to make. Um, I thought it was like a wallet for bullets. No. So like bullet journaling is a specific methodology. Um, you can actually do it in any i think any journal really but they also make journals specific for it that have like dots in it i don't really know a ton about it Oh, like bullet points yeah no (laughs) no really yeah honestly i i was kind of interested in it and then i started researching it and i was like there's a lot here i don't really want to dive into this i think the idea is like you have different bullets that mean different meanings I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to explain something that I don't know about. So <laughs> you should look it up. It, some people really, it's a, like a productivity tool that some people really like. You're right. Um, cool. Yeah. So that is hmm. what I have been working on. Cool. Yeah. So this week, um, I messaged Adam and Grant 
a little while ago with this kind of like stream of consciousness text, uh, which kind of spurred our topic for this week. And I was saying how I find I can get into this really great mental and physical space where like I feel so creative in the apartment and I feel like I can have an idea and make it reality. Like this leather pencil case. I had the idea one night, I could start working on it and made the video and was able to like very freely express myself. But I find that I can sometimes, external things can easily take me out of that space um, if the annoyances of real life sometimes come up. Um, If I have to go to the DMV and especially during COVID times, like wait in line for an hour, it can really kind of ruin that for me. So in like kind of talking this, talking about this to Grant and Adam, what I realized was like the, the idea is creative spaces, both mental and physical. And how do you create that space around you and keep it resilient so that those external things aren't having such a big effect? I think I am like a relatively resilient person, but it does always stink when you when something external happens and you're like, oh, like I was in such this great spot and this shouldn't affect me that much, but it does. Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Totally. There's like, well, on the like psychological side of it, it's like when you're just screwing in the last screw of a project or something and the head spins off and you're just like, you're, you're just done like your, your creativity is gone or like you're halfway through a project and you, and something breaks that you don't have a spare of. And like that psychological, you're just done. And now you need to find a physical space to get back into the creativity. Um, But then when you think about like creative spaces, one of the things that you mentioned when we were chatting about this was like, the authors going to cabins in the woods or even like the group of seven, uh, the artists in Canada that, they were often in these beautiful, picturesque, like Algonquin Park uh, and Bon Echo Park. They had Group of Seven paintings from there. They also had them in the city too, but it was all – it's like the people go try and find creativity in physical spaces. Yeah. Um, and I think it's – like there's – museums can be a creative space and they can also be an overwhelming space. So it's always interesting to me – because I've often found there's too much to look at and it, it actually hampers my creativity some ways. Yeah. But it could also just be that I'm not going into it in the right frame of mind. So it's like a catch 27. Oh. <laughs> I think frame of mind is a big part of it. Like, for sure. like I can go for a walk and get nothing out of that walk. Because I am have this like inner turmoil going on. I'm pulling out my phone every five seconds to check something or text someone. But I can also go for a walk and be really intentional about looking at all the beautiful houses and noticing details. Um, but there are certain spaces that make staying in that like open to beautiful things mindset easier. And there's ones that aren't as easy. And like artists going to the cabin in the woods, I mean, they are setting themselves up in the best possible circumstance for creative output where you don't have those external factors coming in and nagging at you. Like I remember like a ton of episodes ago, not a ton, maybe like 10 episodes ago, I talked about going into Home Depot and how it can just be draining to me, especially if I don't have a really exact idea of what I want. And that I feel like is one of the situations that really pulls me out of good mindsets is like having to slog through like the crap of a big box store like you start thinking like who's mm. buying these like hideous hollow core linoleum doors and it, it kind of <laughs> makes you a little frustrated at like consumerism and like cheap made in China stuff. And then you're like, okay, got to mm. like get back into my own, like want to make high quality, beautiful things. I think it's, um, it's interesting about like people going to the woods to write and stuff or, and the artists and that, like I, I have never gone somewhere with the intent of just sitting down and like thinking about and trying to be creative. Like I think um, 
in my head, mainly I'm creative when I'm driving, like to and from work or while I'm at work. And I think my biggest creative space would probably be actually YouTube. Hmm. Um, I get a lot of my ideas, not like copying people, but I see someone do something. I'm like, oh, if you put a twist on that, I like that idea and that sort of stuff. So I think YouTube's definitely a massive creative outlet for me or inlet. Yeah. Right. Driving is a big one. I've gotten so many good ideas while driving. And it's like, if you actually make the effort to like turn off the radio and oh my God, what like the opposite of creating a positive creative space is the radio. I cannot listen to the radio (laughs) these days in the world of like, I can listen to any podcast or song that I want on demand. Yeah, The radio is just so, it feels so vapid and pointless now. I'm like, why? I can only listen to the radio if I can change the stations to whatever's playing music. I can't listen to one station anymore because it's literally like half a song, an ad, some people talking about nothing, and then maybe half a song again. And I'm like, you don't even play the whole song. Why are you cutting it off? Anyways, that's the G rant of the episode. I hardly even know like what new music is anymore because I never, I always just listen to the podcast of my own music. As my wife was telling me today, she said, oh, Apparently, our local council like went like a billion dollars over budget and couldn't pay their employees. Like, we have friends who have not been paid who are council workers because like they went over budget. And she was amazed that I didn't know about it. I'm like, well, I don't listen to the radio and I don't watch the news. So, how would I know? Yeah, it's hard to have that like passive ingest of news if you're not like watching like cable TV or um, listening to the radio. (laughs) You have to like really go out and seek it out. Literally everything I do is all digital. I watch like Netflix that doesn't have ads and I listen, I watch YouTube and I have read so I don't get ads. I don't listen to radio. I hardly ever go on Facebook. I, uh, I read the news every single day. So I'm, I like to be tuned in, but I completely understand. But that brings me down. So when we're talking about creative spaces, a lot of times, especially early in the pandemic, uh, the news would bring me so far out of creativity. Like it would take, like I would try and not read the news, but literally every day I'd be opening up and just saying how the pandemic was exploding because I felt like, like for me, I felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. I was watching the news and going, oh, there's something happening in February, like in China. And it's like, oh, this new thing. And I was like, oh, it's just going to be like H1N1 or whatever. It's going to go away or SARS. It went away pretty quickly. Um, yeah, okay. So, oh, now we'll go home for a week. Yeah, I'll go home for a week. I haven't been back to my office since March, right? And right. that, like, I used to commute an hour every day, which was a crew, like, on most days, it was a, like, a dewind and, you know, type of place just, where I could yeah, just like think. Yeah, you're alone time. Um, and I haven't had those creative spots, uh, mm. So it's like an interesting – that's when Morley was talking about having this conversation, I really thought it was a it was an interesting thing to talk about because I feel like what I, I need to do is actually try and find better, more creative spaces. Like when we went on the canoe trip, I had one of the best uh, – well, we, we just together had one of the best ideas I've had for a video in a long time, which was the like video game idea. Uh, hmm for making the leather sheath. When I got back, I wanted to do that. I wanted to make that video, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just like got me into that creative space. And I, I know with, and I guess it's one of these like self-fulfilling prophecies, but I, I feel that, uh, winter is coming, um, not to be a game of Thrones, but winter is coming in Canada. It is. And it, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm worried that I won't have enough outside influences in the real world Hmm. because of COVID. Do you feel, do you feel less productive since you haven't been going to work, like been leaving for work? Yes. Do you feel, or do you, yeah. It's funny that, you know, like people think, oh, you're stuck at home. How good is that? Like you have all the time in the world to do everything you want. But in all reality, you're probably going to feel more guilty if you go do something like instead of spending time with your family and that because you are home so much that if you leave, you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, yeah. Exactly. 
It's yeah. the guilt is real, and the guilt guilt I think is the number one creativity killer. And that's why I think going to a cabin in the woods and saying I'm going for a week, I nothing is expected of me out of this week. There's no it's guilt free. Yeah, and that's 100%. what I think going to the cabin in the woods is is saying yeah. I need a guilt free time period. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's there's why that, there's the that whole and there's the, the freedom in that woodwork. Sorry, go on. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's why the whole like driving to and from work and that works so well is because it is guilt free. Like mm-hmm. what else are you going to do during that time? Yeah. You know, I, I do a lot of my designing at work because I have downtime and I can do it because I, it's guilt free to me. Like I, I don't have anything else to do. Well, I mean, other than work, <laughs> so I can do it. You want to hear something weird? Yes. One of my most productive times for coming up with ideas is lying in bed before going to sleep. I, I really enjoy like lying in bed with my eyes closed and just starting of like thinking about projects and how I'm going to make it and visualize this kind of like virtual CAD in my head and start drawing yep. it. And actually I was, I've been thinking about it recently and I think it's bad because I think what it means is that I don't have enough moments of quiet in my mm. waking hours that I'm taking that moment of quiet before I fall asleep because it's it's there. And like you said, there's no pressure. So I think what that means is I need to set aside more time during the day to like either like meditate or or really um, that is a just amazing like point. Set, set time aside for design and ideation. Like I go for, like I mentioned before, like go for a lot of walks and everything else. But I don't know. It's not, it's not exactly the same as lying with your eyes closed. So I'm the opposite. I hate when that happens because <laughs> normally I'm going to sleep four hours before I have to get up for work and then my head starts going crazy and thinking of all these ideas and I can't get to sleep. But then not just that, if I have an idea like that, like if it is my day off the next day and I can get like out of bed, if I have ideas like that, I need to act on them because I won't remember them in the morning. And like my excitement, if I don't get rid of that excitement, if the thought process and everything before I go to sleep, I won't be able to get to sleep. I'll just keep thinking about it the whole time. Hmm. Well, I'll say I do the same thing morally. I have this like I have a better – I my ability to craft things in my mind is a 100 out of 10, right? But when I actually get down to doing uh, it the next day, it's I, I realize that in your mind you can – fit things together that don't work in reality. Like you get MC Escher something enough in your mind. But uh, yeah, I totally do the same thing. And you know what, when you said it probably means you don't have enough like quiet time focused on that, you're completely right. Because if I have five seconds of downtime, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Imgur, I'm on Reddit, I'm on something. Five seconds. It does like as soon as it's like more than two seconds, my phone is going to the unlock screen. Mm. And I think I maybe need to think more about. And the only times I other other than that when I do it is if I go in the garage without a plan, and I'll just like start cleaning, which is something that is a similar to like sitting there with your eyes closed because you're not doing, yeah. you're not thinking, you're sweeping, you're not thinking. If you're thinking, so I've really been thinking. So I've really been thinking about deleting like social media off my phone and that for that same reason. If I'm sitting there for two minutes or something, I'll just pick it up and start looking through Facebook, which is pretty rare, but it's enough to annoy me. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I found that if I delete social media off my phone, I then just play a game. And if I delete all the games, then I just find a way to like, I, I'll find a way I'll play the Chrome dinosaur game. Like I don't, I'll, <laughs> well. I'll find something to play. <laughs> Like this is like I, I need to, all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I think you need to start a gaming channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on the more physical space side of yeah. things, I find like I'm at a I'm in a spot right now where I feel like in my little apartment workshop, I can I can make anything I want to. And at least the things that I want to make. Like I can't make anything, but I can make the things that I want to make. Yeah, which is fantastic. But I have not always felt that. I've, I haven't felt that at maker spaces. If I go to a maker space, I don't feel as freely creative as I feel in my own space. And if I go to visit my parents' house, they have plenty of tools. They have plenty of space. They have more space than I have, 
but I don't feel um, as empowered as I do in MySpace. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense, but yeah. um, you, I think it's... Probably a cross between it's not catered to you and it's not yours. Yeah. And you're not as You've familiar. made your space yours to be comfortable. Yeah, exactly. You've made it to be comfortable how you want it. Yeah. Right. It's the same with like when I went and did this, uh, when I went in the Yukon and visited Buddy's shop up in, uh, up in Whitehorse, it, it was a creative space. He made some really beautiful stuff in his little garage there, but even stuff like I didn't know how to turn on his bandsaw, right? Like hit the switch. I was looking ever for a, a light switch. Cause that's what's on my bandsaw. Cause from 1934. Uh, yeah. and he, he had like one of the proper switches and I didn't, and it's just that those little things, those hesitations make it so that you don't like it, it breaks your, your concentration. It breaks your flow. Yeah. And, and a makerspace until you get familiar with it. And even if you get a hundred percent familiar, then they'll change something on you. Cause it's not your space. Right. Uh, yeah. You're always going to have those little hesitations. And that's where I feel like, I think that's a why space, excuse me, why space matters is because it's, it's all about familiarity so that your mind can think. Hmm. That's why I like having everything has its place. If everything has its place, yeah. I don't have to worry about it. If I put all my yeah, tools back. Yeah, how frustrating back, is it when you really need a tool and you just can't find it? Right. It's, it's the worst. Yeah. And the, like the race team I work on, the one guy I work with, he is literally, literally the worst at that. Like he won't put tools away ever. And then when you were always searching for. Chuck them on the top of the box. Right. Not even like on the top of the box would be nice. Like, that'd be close <laughs> enough. No, they're spread out everywhere. Like in inside yeah, right. the car, outside the car, in the engine bay. Like we've lost so oh, many, God. so many like wrenches underneath the engine bay. But it's the way I think about it is if you put it, if you have a spot for it, yeah, of course it's 10. Uh, if you have a spot for it <laughs> and you put it back, your mind doesn't have to worry about it the next time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what makes a creative space is, is making it so that you know where everything is. That helps creative creativity for me. But the chaos is also creative. So there's the opposite of that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, there's organized chaos. There's, there's visual chaos. And I love visual chaos. I love being overwhelmed by the amount of things everywhere. But like I'm thinking of Andy Pugh's Tinkerage and Adam Savage's cave. Like you see so much, but also it looks like each of them knows where everything goes. Yes. Um, and that's something I would like to create when I move um, in February. Like definitely more organization. Like <laughs> my stuff is not organized well enough. It's organized enough, but only the things that I am like using all the time. The things that I use infrequently are buried. Is this confirmation that you are moving? Yeah. We got the, the lease yeah. today. Ooh. Ooh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. How exciting. It is exciting. It's going to be a fun winter. Um, my problem is that I go to clean my shop and I can't find spots to put everything. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's so small. So then it, then things don't have a space and then they get chucked around. And oh, well, like I'm so busy that I don't put things back and then it just frustrates me. There's nothing more frustrating than going to do something and the table space is completely filled with like. You've got to move. you got to move and then you move it to another table space. And they're like, oh, I need to use that table space. And it's just flow interruption to <laughs> flow interruption. Yeah. Right. That's why I think a lot of people like Jimmy Dresta says the shopsmith's a horrible tool because you're constantly changing the tools. And it's true for production, but if you're going – anything that you're going in knowing that's what you're going to have to do, it stops being annoying, right? Yeah. Like if you have to change the blade on your table saw five times in a project, it can be frustrating. But if you knew you had to do it ahead of time, it's less frustrating. Yeah. It's like when I, for, for no good reason, I don't have a quick release plate for my camera. And now that I have two <laughs> tripods, I'm always – unscrewing oh, so frustrating. a quarter inch yeah. nut and rescreen in. But I do it so much that I'm used to it. So I don't mind. Um, you mean like from the bottom, you got to unscrew it from the bottom of the camera? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, oh, wow. it takes two seconds. So my, my tripod on the top has like a clamp that, that you screw and it locks it in. Yeah. 
and then you just undo that and the whole camera comes off and the plate just stays on the bottom. It's not quick release in a sense, but it's like five turns and it's off. Yeah. I have I have no excuse. I could literally 3D print a Arc'teryx yeah. quick release plate. <laughs> yeah. Can you print me one? <laughs> so I have a quick release and the camera is inside a quick release, like one like it's a the the GoPro has like a frame that you can take the GoPro out of. Mm. And I have multiple frames. And I still use the quick release on the tripod because it's literally half a second faster like half a millisecond faster but it's that much faster and if i had to i know myself if i had to unscrew it every single time which is what i had to do in the when i first got it i just i i wouldn't i would find ways around it and that's what i used to do i used to i had a ladder that i moved around my shop that i used the clamp like i had a little clamp with a gorilla extension on it like the one that i took camping mm-hmm. um and I basically just use that as my tripod instead of my tripod because I hated switching it between unscrewing it on the Gorillapod thing and then moving it over because it was so frustrating. So I can't believe that you unscrew that every time. Like, imagine <laughs> how much more big of a deal. But imagine how much more creative you could be if you didn't have to waste that time. You're right, and you know, honestly, so, this is making me think. Like, I, I would like to spend more. Um, unstructured downtime going forwards and making those little improvements. Like I'll, I'll, I'll try to make a conscious effort after each project to clear my work surface. Um, so I don't have the remnants of the old project there. It's like clearing the surface and clearing your mind. Um, but I think I could also put some more effort into like optimizing my workflow and minimizing those interruptions, like printing up quick release plate. So I'd be curious to see if you were to do that, um, and use it for like a month or something, and then see if ways that you could improve it, that would probably be a good project for people that have 3D printers and are in this yeah. field of things that they might think might work better for them. And and uh, I reckon if you had if you made your own design, you'd probably sell so many of the cat of the um, like CAD file or whatever it is. Well, I think pretty quick hard. release plates are pretty well standardized, and I think they work really well. What I think could be a more like a could be a really interesting project is like a camera jig rig. I mean, people are doing all sorts of crazy things with, mm-hmm. um, with the camera boom arms <laughs> to fit their space and things like, like Wobies. Yeah. I was just gonna say the Wobie yeah. one is pretty cool, but the, the yeah. one, the one he put out like a few days after I spent a hundred dollars on a tripod, <laughs> and I would have happily made his instead. And I've seen people make it with a jigsaw. So you don't need a CNC. Oh, I wouldn't use CNC. Yeah, I know. Obviously, you don't have one, but I've seen people make it with no, jigsaw. Know, that's all I'm yeah. saying. Like, you don't need special that's, tools. When I watched that video, I'm like, oh, you don't need a CNC for this. Yeah. If I had a CNC, I would use it. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't go grab my jigsaw, <laughs> but I'm just saying, if I if you don't have a CNC. Um, you know, I think there's a lot we can learn as makers from artists in general, from both artists and tradespeople. Because, like, as makers, we take a little from each of those and do our own thing, but, like, with less training. <laughs> um, <laughs> training? And, like, like we were talking about with going to a cabin in the woods. Like, artists have been doing that for centuries. And mm-hmm. going with someone else. People have going on, been going on retreats for centuries. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are a lot of fruits that come out of that. Um, and in terms of optimizing your workspace and your workflow, um, if you go to a production shop, they spend time after a project to clean everything up. Um, so I think there's a lot of value to be gained by like looking at those fields and seeing like, oh, those those little actions have a purpose and can improve my own work. Totally. Hmm. It's yeah. yeah. So if you're an artist out there and you have some good <laughs> tips on like creative spaces and how to make a creative space, let us know. Hit us up. At least hit me up. I don't know if everyone else wants to know, but definitely hit me up. You know, I'll um, give you a good example as well. So I mentioned in the after show that last week that I have been looking into freelance audiobook recording. Yeah. And mm. I was doing my first audition today and it was difficult. Um, this is like a new thing for me. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of voiceover, but uh, it's a reading books is different. You have to go slower. Um and I realized at a certain point where it's like, wow, I need to stop 
and get into character. Like actors say this, like, like take a moment, like the whole, <laughs> it look, whatever, like it looks silly, but it's important. Um, because once you actually try to do it, um, and you're nervous, it's, uh, it's really difficult to like put on that voice in a calm way, in a way that someone would want to listen to. Um, so I found just like taking that lesson from like what actors have been saying forever, get into character as really important. Right. I wonder if there's like a, like a bunch of these little things. I'm sure there's someone who is, who's like collated them together in a single place, but these little, like take a moment and, and like these little sayings that people do, there's a reason why everyone does them. Yeah. Well, I think of like David, David Pacino did a project last year where he did that poster of like 10 rules, 10, 10 rules. Um, and I know a lot of artists have like Tom Sachs, for example, does his 10 bullets. That's actually a really good one. If you guys haven't seen that, um, that one is specifically for his shop, but it's, um, 10, sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself. Have you guys seen Tom Sachs, 10 bullets? No, Ooh, it's really cool. Um, I mean, if, if you don't know who Tom Sachs is, he's, he's a really interesting artist in New York city, but he made a short film with, either Casey Neistat or his brother or both of them. But it is um, kind of like the 10 rules for his shop and anyone working in his shop must follow. And it's exactly what we're talking about. It's so that they are producing at the consistent quality that he wants. Um, it's It incorporates the mission statement of his art. Huh. Um, so I w- I'll definitely throw that in the show notes. I think it's a, it's a, it's a really cool video yeah. on its own. Cool. Um, just quickly going back, I'm curious to know, Molly, how come you have two tripods if you only have one camera? Well, I have this like crappy full-size tripod. It's aluminum. It works. It's what I use 90% of the time. But then when I went on the camping trip with Grant, I bought a mini tripod, like a tabletop tripod because oh, uh, right, this one yeah. doesn't collapse very small. And I was only going to use my phone on the camping trip. And since then, this one has been like super useful. Uh, for getting tabletop shots, for getting really low shots. Um, yeah, it's great. Having multiple that. tripods of different sizes is very, very handy. Right. I would recommend I, it. I have, I think, four. Like, if you count the little clampy thing that you can clamp anywhere as a tripod, then I have four. Mm. I just use the one. The only time I take my camera off is every time I'm finished shooting, I put a packet away and stuff so I don't accidentally bump it over. Yeah, that that is definitely well, a good idea. But I what I take it off to replace the battery and stuff. I just like to get different angles because I find that a tripod can only get certain angles, mm. and the little clampy thing can get on top, and then a little tabletop one can get, you know, the the kind of side angle. Yeah. That like Morley gets those like super tight, like on his like like I don't know macro level like photography or videography skills he's got going on there. So uh, <laughs> that I would like to do a little, like my GoPro doesn't really get that good, but uh, the wide angle lens of my GoPro doesn't work really good at getting tight <laughs> angle macro shots. I don't understand it. If someone could please help me out with that, I'd really appreciate it. I, um, so I saw on the Rockler desk challenge hashtag, someone built this really cool desk that has, um, the aluminum T-track extrusion in the front. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's called, right? It's in cross-section. It looks kind of like a T, a square with a bunch of notches cut out mm-hmm. with slots on four sides. Yep. I know. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, know, I don't know. Yeah. One. I'm pretty sure it's a T-track. It's like a four-sided T-track. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and on that, he has this little roller rig that he can attach his camera to. So the front edge of the table doubles as an overhead roller rig for his camera so he can take those overhead moving shots i was like oh that's such a good idea because you have all this empty space under the table anyway where you can like stage things Mm. Mm. and you could do that on any table you could just slap a t-track on it and put a little roller on there you go you got yourself a cool little rig that is cool you could even make a portable one i made my own um slider once but i stopped using it oh cool I've, I have wanted to do that and I have never done it, but I just came up with a really mm-hmm. like you, having these conversations, by the way, this podcast gets me in a creative space to kind of roll it in yeah, there. Sure. But I just thought I could use my garage door 
as a like clamp my camera to the garage door and as it's closing it can be a moving shot because the big problem like filming by yourself getting a moving shot is the hardest thing right mm, oh, for sure. of you actually doing something and the camera's moving if you're doing it by yourself you have to build something and just thinking about this right now got me into the thinking i can just clamp my camera to the garage door and press the button and do something underneath it that's actually an amazing idea because not a garage door doesn't just go straight down it like curves yeah. around so you're gonna I have like this be- like top down shot that's gonna like flow down into like a straight yeah. that's a great idea I feel like it would be a little shaky because unless your garage door is like really, really nice. Or I have a GoPro with hyper stabilization. There you go. I'm really curious to see what it would look yeah, like. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do it on yeah. the next time that I have to do something underneath my garage door. I actually I actually got Eden to uh, do some camera man work on my latest video. It's easy when she's sitting at the uh, kitchen table four feet away. And I can say, hey, can you just like take a bunch of shots of me? Can you come dance for me? Yeah, exactly. Can you learn this entire sequence from Pulp Fiction with me? (laughs) So speaking of, um, that's like one of my goals with the whole YouTube thing is I've always wanted to earn enough money from YouTube that I can pay, like hire my wife to be my cameraman. Yeah. Um, So because I don't ever want her to have to work. She, She used to work a little bit, but like we don't need her to she's not working now like she's thinks she's going to quit her job but hasn't actually told them yet because she's on maternity leave um but yeah like that was my long plan was to have her like my employee in a way where i can pay her a wage to do all my filming and maybe editing probably not because i like the editing Mm. cool my wife did the same thing when i'm at leave and then didn't tell them she was going to quit. And then at the end, never went back. <laughs> yeah. I, I would think that's not uncommon. People, they realize like, I kind of like this life. I think I'm going to stay and keep it. Yeah. Mm. I don't, I don't think my wife just, we were more, uh, to kind of go on that side. It was more of a, the, the timings don't work for daycare. Cause daycare only works if you work in an office job, like a nine to five. Otherwise daycare is like impossible. So if you work at a retail job, it like just makes it so that, like, are you going to put your kid in daycare on Tuesday when you're not at work? Because Tuesday is your Saturday. Like, eh, it's all my, screwed well, up. My son goes to daycare twice a week. Twice a week is fine. And it's, if you schedule something, but when you work retail, you get your schedule and you go, oh, it's different every single week. At least it, that's how it was for yeah. my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, my, my wife worked in daycare, so that made it even worse because, <laughs> like, she would just leave her Brady kids to go look after other Brady kids. <laughs> but the, it was annoying because her work wouldn't allow you to have your own kids there. Oh, oh dang. So, yes, yeah, so it's like we had to go to another daycare and then the timings didn't line up and it was, it was a pain. Yeah, got to send Penny to daycare three times a week. <laughs> She's a rascal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We actually, so this is while we're on a tangent uh we just gave her catnip for the first time uh which is hilarious she's did you like, put it in your plants no oh no no she just she's just so curious that she hopped right. up on the table and started like chewing on them yeah because i watched the, i watched i'm like halfway through the video but i was watching it i'm like they must have put catnip in there or something for her to just stay around no she's just like so that. curious like if i'm doing any she, she's like the best and the worst shop cat because she just wants to like know what everything is. If there's any sort of crinkling noise, she'll be like, "Oh, is that is that for me? Is, is should I come up and, and investigate?" <laughs> but let and, me guess, she doesn't get out of the way. Yeah, if, if I lay leather on the ground, she'll just lie <laughs> right on top of it. <laughs> and it's funny, actually. To this, in a weird way, this kind of um, brings it back around to the topic. Um, I always joke with Eden that like Penny's curiosity is an inspiration. Um, she's like a little kid. It's like the way people are inspired by little kids and their curiosity. Like uh-huh. everything to her is the most amazing, curious thing in the world. So just kind of having her around is, um, I feel like kind of subconsciously brings out my like curiosity and childlike sense of wonder a little bit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well on that, why don't we talk about our clamp for the week? 
I guess I'll kick it off because neither of you are talking. <laughs> well, you kind of have to tell well, you're, you're the, the host. host. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> this is always about the point of the episode I'll, where I forget that I'm host. I'll go first if you don't have one. No, no, no. I have one. I have one. Um, I actually have the perfect one. I'm, I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my hat here because um, I have this book. Wow. Which is literally called Creative Spaces. Um, it is, and it is just that. So the book is called... Um, Creative Spaces, People, Homes, and Studios to Inspire by Ted Vidakin and Angie Muing. They both have difficult to pronounce names, so I am sure I'm pronouncing both of those <laughs> incorrectly. Um, did, did you see that cover, audio listeners? Yeah, yeah, great audio content. Um, <laughs> but the book is essentially profiles of various artists and creatives across all different fields. So they have like interior designers, they have DJs, they have architects, they have people that work with upholstery, um, authors, musicians, also like textile artists, all sorts of things. And it's they it's pictures of their workshops or home workspaces, and then them talking about those spaces. And it's it's really interesting. I mean, all of these people have fantastic taste, so they are like beautiful homes and spaces. Um, so I find I find this just a really inspirational book to flip through. Um, I pull it out every once in a while and look around it, and it's it's always interesting to see like where people are on the spectrum of like surrounding themselves with chaotic clutter and things that inspire them versus like having a very stark workspace versus purely function. And it's also interesting to see that the creatives and craftspeople working at the highest level, how they set up their shops, yeah, and where these sort of tropes that we take for granted, like the way a workshop is, um, why those are the way they are, which you can kind of see in all these different spaces side by side. Right. It's kind of like how a kitchen always has a triangle between the fridge. Well, you got to explain that. The fridge, the what? sink, and the stove is always a triangle. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, oh. They're, if they're not a triangle, it's then... There'll be one step apart. Right. If they're not a triangle, then it's not a, it's not a well-functioning kitchen often. Yeah. Hang on, I'm gonna be pedantic. It's three objects. Won't there always be a triangle between them? Not if they're in a line. No, no, so, yeah. Oh, so I boom. see. Yeah. Between the three of them, you should have one step. So one one step to move from one to the other. But it, to all of them, it's too big of a space. Yeah, yeah, to all of them. So like you should be able to go from the yeah. Um, otherwise, the space is too big and it's not functional. Yeah, that's really interesting. That makes a ton yeah. of sense. I had never heard that specific rule before. Though. So. So you take, for instance, my um, this. See, having a small shop's good and bad. So you take my um, bed head that I did. I had the bed head out on my workbench, and then I would turn around, cut a piece of the pallet, turn around, stick a nail it on, turn around, cut another piece, turn around. I wasn't walking from one end of the shop nonstop. But in saying that, my shop's too small, and I need a bigger one because. It's too small. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's. Yeah. If, if you watch Bar Rescue, which is a show, it's not my clamidation at all, please. But it's a show that I've watched a bunch of on like, I think it's history or discovery or one of those channels that no longer that only does reality TV. And it now doesn't actually do maybe TLC. <laughs> I don't know, like the learning channel with reality t anyways um yeah how did the learning channel turn into the reality tv show exactly uh anyways it's because that's what made the money um fair the they it's they talk about up. stuff like that about they because they look at these kitchens and they look at these bars and they just look like how have you been working this way where you're walking to get a lime to put in your drink you're walking halfway across the bar your limes in the wrong spot guy like put the limes mm. closer to the fountain drinks right like well I think it's <laughs> it's so easy like a snail to just fill the shell you're in. So like we were saying before, like you do have to be like really thoughtful and intentional about setting something up because it's not, it won't always just happen by consequence. Right. And you know what? Don't be afraid to redo it. Yeah. Tear yeah, sure. it down or redo it. John Heise does that constantly. And a lot of people get mad at him. I see the comments. I'm like, nah, he's trying to maximize it. He built something. They went, this isn't good enough. Let me try again. Don't be afraid. So you watch my uh, first few videos and my all my Ruby tools are up on a wall. But the wall was annoying to get to. 
And I didn't like that if someone came into my garage, that there was just a wall of tools for them to just help themselves to. So I put them all inside the cabinet that I made with the Minosaur. But now I'm thinking I want them back on the wall because it's a pain in the ass to have to go over, open a door, get the tool out, close a door, and that. So, And that is a big thing between cabinets and an open storage is like a mindset in its own to kind of go back a little bit to this creative spaces because open storage, you see everything. But closed storage is nice that they're not a distraction. Yeah. Well, changing from swinging outdoors to my sliding doors on the cabinet has like dramatically improved it. Because the problem was that I'd sit something in front of the door and I couldn't open it. So then the <laughs> same thing. I'd have to move all the clutter off the table to be able to get to a tool. That's a but now that I can point. just slide the door, it's a lot better. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Because I'm thinking of designing some stuff and I put stuff in front of my everything all the time. And that would yeah. frustrate me to no end. If I could be bothered, I'd be swapping everything for sliding doors. I hate. Shop. I also hate sliding doors. So I think shelves. It's shelves for me. I'm a contrarian. As I'm, I was just going to say, as other dog, as Jacob from Other Dog Designs will say and agree to. Uh, yeah, Adam, what's your clamp mandation? <laughs> All right. Well, mine's an oldie, but a goldie. Um, um, yeah. So something I've always wanted to make ever since he made one is Chris Salamone's, um the giant Nintendo Switch, like the TV unit. I just like being a gamer. I just think it is the coolest thing, like the a gaming sort of thing that I've seen someone make, and I just really like it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a bit of an old one from him, but it's good. Yeah, it's a good one. I've watched that one. I haven't watched a lot of his stuff, but I've watched that one for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a Nintendo Switch. Because you're a gamer. But I'm not. <laughs> like, I am and I'm not. But, I, yeah, totally. I don't know. Stuff like that kind of, like, makes me – that kind of thing, I think, is the right kind of creativity where someone sure. said, hey, we'll just make it bigger. It's like you said. It's the – you watch YouTube. You go, hey, let's put a twist on this. Yeah. Right? And the twist was making it huge. Yeah. So many people have copied him too, like – you know that it's a good project when so many people want to make it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, have you guys to to put in another tangent on things? Have you seen how many uh, ads are recommending or are trying to push uh, Bernie Solo's sprocket? No. And they're stealing they're stealing his video from YouTube. Wait, wait. So is someone else is trying to sell his design, yes. or these are his ads? No. Somebody else has stolen his design. I don't even know if they're actually creating anything or if it's just a complete scam. But there are ads out there using his video from YouTube. Are you sure that he's not working with yes. them? Okay. Because Where's the ads? Their ads are on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Oh, I haven't seen them at all. Yeah. I never see ads on Facebook. Did you, did you like ask him about it? So other people have. So I haven't personally, okay. but I have seen the conversations. Uh, it – if it's him, then it seems like he doesn't he he doesn't seem to be happy with it. So hmm. if he's paid someone yeah, to do some advertising, then it didn't work out well. Uh, no, 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 I just wanted to check. Uh, <laughs> totally, I get, I get what no, you mean. This no, this thing. is my stuff. I'm trying to sell it throughout this he, other thing. He signed, yeah. he signed up with with like a media company, thinking they're gonna push out his content and the next thing you know his ads are everywhere yeah and they're not for like if they direct it over to his website or something mm. like they're directing to these really random not well made websites get 5,000 DIY plans yeah exactly <laughs> with wood bricks um, oh my God. so my clamendation for the week is <laughs> Yeah, I'm really good at, at segue, not segueing, uh, tangenting this week. Uh, so I just watched this video. It's from Kevin from Making Sawdust. What I liked about it is that he found a way, one, to reuse something that a lot of people likely, well, maybe not as much anymore. It depends on if you get food delivery or not. But he took food containers and he just and he made a shelf for them using all recycled like wood from like stuff he'd found. So he took food containers, made a shelf for them to make his parts separators. Cause a lot of food containers have like little different sections, uh, yeah. for the different food that you get in it. So that those plastic food containers, um, 
and he's going to store his nuts and bolts in there. And it's like when you compare that with the outrageously priced uh, like sustainer systems and whatever for sto- storing all- Sortimo. Yeah, Sortimo. That's exactly what he, he referenced in his thing. He's like, I'm not av- Adam Savage and I can't afford s- s- whatever <laughs> that is. Uh, Sortimo. Sortimo. Uh, so he's like, this costs like $3. If you were to buy the containers, you can buy them at like the dollar store. Or if you eat at the same place, and they have for free, right? If you eat at the same place and they have them, and then you clean them and mm. use them, I thought it was a great idea because otherwise those are garbage. And if anyone's been watching yeah. the news, plastic recycling is apparently a myth. Yeah, it's yeah. sad. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about it before, but we have a like a show notes thing open that we can like type things and stuff and grant wrote making sawdust food containers as part storage but all one sentence and i'm reading it thinking how the hell does someone make food containers out of sawdust i thought exactly the same thing <laughs> well, I know, right? i'm very sorry let me just put it there there's a dash now <laughs> making sawdust <laughs> is the name of his channel no, but, but now i want to see someone making food containers out of sawdust well they do they make them through the like you've never seen the like wood fiber uh food containers no oh yeah they're like basically mdf but in food container they're like a, a instead of styrofoam they're the like eco-friendly instead yeah. of styrofoam they're compostable so is that like cardboard straws oh my god oh, it's not go down cardboard straws yeah, I, I'm against. <laughs> I am against plastic, but I am not for cardboard straws. So I don't know what they I have the solution. Just don't use a straw. There we go. Right. When driving, it's a little unnecessary different. invention. When driving is the only time I use a straw. Travel mug. Tot- yeah, get them to fill your travel mug during COVID times. That's <laughs> or just drink your beer out of a bottle so that the neck is thin, and then you can see past it while you're drinking. Ah, there you go. Yeah, while you're driving. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> All right. Don't drink uh, a drive, well, kids. With that fantastic lesson, um, <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon supporters. Everyone who supports the show on Patreon gets access to the after show and the pre-show, if we do one. Um, I want to give an especial shout out to Leroy at Big Rock Timberworks for being our F-Clamp level supporter. Additionally, everyone at Patreon gets a custom handmade clamp embossed leather keychain which are pretty sweet um so you can head on to patreon.com slash clamp if you want more information about that and if you want to help out the show but uh your patreon's not that thing we always appreciate you sharing the show with someone who you think might enjoy it as well as leaving reviews um and as you may have heard i read them in fun accents and we don't have any this week so Help me with my accent game and More give characters. us a review next week. Yeah. Char- oh, characters as well. Anything you want. Um, ho- ideally not offensive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Adam. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't offensive. No comment. Um, also want to give a shout out to TF Turning for the theme song. Uh, we love it. I sing it every after show as the Patreon supporters know. Um, before we head out, do we have any other business? Mm, no. I I just want to say I'm excited for the Fools with Tools treasure trade. Um, I know yeah. you, uh, Morley, participated in it, and I I got mine out way later than you did, but I got mine out on the deadline, and I'm very excited to see what I get. Uh, both giving, I can't wait to see the person get it, and I can't wait to get whatever I'm getting. Um, yeah. Did you see what um, Austin got? Yeah, that surfboard thing from uh, the yeah, surf- Jimmy Reader made. Yeah, that was really cool looking with the assless yeah. chaps. I mean, <laughs> that, that that reminds me. I need to send out my uh, mystery maker collab. Yeah, that's old. That separate thing. Anyway, that's my any other business is one go support fools with tools because they're awesome, and two. Uh, Hopefully, maybe the person who got my stuff is a uh, a listener here. Probably not, but you know, maybe. <laughs> Never know. 
All right. Um, well, if you want to see our stuff, you can find Grant at The Grant Alexander. You can find Adam at Maker Mackey. You can find me at Morley Kurt. And collectively, you can find the podcast at The Clampcast, right? Mm, I always forget if there's a the at the beginning. There's a Clampcast. This is Clampcast. <laughs> at Clampcast on Instagram. And I think it's at The Clampcast on Twitter. But just search Clamp Podcast. It should come up. And we had, we had the first person join our group on Facebook. Yeah, Demo. Uh, he'd, he'd already been on our group. But he made a post. Oh. Yeah, he'd been on our group, made a post before, and then left because no one else was there. And they came back <laughs> and just to tell, the group again. Rejoined the group just to let us know about fences. So thank you very much, Demo. Did, did he leave the group again? I hope so because I don't want anyone going to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. 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 What's the pause? I was looking at my phone. I'm sorry. After show. After, After show. show. Does whatever a so regular show does. Yeah, I want to see. what What is your one-hour build?